This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Tonight I'm preaching on depression. Yeah, I was getting depressed doing it. But anyway, it's a very important thing because I'm hearing so much lately of just how fearful and depressed people are becoming with, because of the state of the world and way, the way things are going. And when I just sat down to, to pray about what to bring, this, this is what came to my heart, was to preach this message on depression. depression. First Kings in uh, chapter 16, <clears throat> we'll start there. We won't read it, but I'll just go through it quickly. This is when Ahab became king of Israel. And it said that he was more evil in the eyes of the Lord than all of the kings that went before him. And he even married a woman named Jezebel, who was a priestess of the prophet of the God called Baal. And so that led them down this whole pathway of worshipping the false god called Baal. Ahab made Asherah poles and even provoked the Lord to even more anger against them because they were meant to be worshipping him. And here now through this King Ahab and through his leadership, the people were now getting brought right away and now starting to worship the king of Baal. And God spoke to Elijah, the prophet, to confront Ahab. And Ahab went to, uh, Elijah went to Ahab and said, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain for a few years until I say so. And it didn't rain. But Ahab didn't like Elijah. And so God told Elijah, you need to leave there. And he showed him where to go and what to do. And he went to a place called Zarephath. During that time when he was in this place, Elijah did some miraculous things. He even raised a young boy from the dead. But then after time, it was into the the third year of the drought, God spoke to Elijah and he was to, to go back and confront Ahab again. Now, what we learned in this when I studied that was that even through this drought, Ahab and the people of Israel still hadn't repented. They knew that the judgment had come from God through the the prophet Elijah, but they still hadn't repented for their sins. Ahab had sent people out looking for food and water for his animals. What he didn't seem to concern about his people, he was more concerned about his animals. But while they were out there, there was a man with him called Obadiah, and he was a good man. He had put about a hundred of God's prophets in, into caves, 50 in two caves. And he had looked after them and sheltered them and protected them from King Ahab because Je- Jezebel wanted to put them all to death. And he said to Obadiah, go and tell King Ahab, Elijah is here. And Ahab came to Elijah and he said, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Talk about a hypocrite. He's the one that's causing the trouble. The droughts come on Israel because of what he was doing. And yet here he was trying to tell Elijah, it's your fault. You're the troubler of Israel. And I thought, you know, hypocrisy was around back then. Hasn't changed much. It wasn't Elijah who was the troubler, but it was Ahab and the people because they had turned away from the true God. And now they were starting to worship Baal, bow down into his altars that he had erected for them. So Elijah set up a contest. He was going to prove who the real God is. So he set up this contest like a showdown between the God that Elijah worshipped or the God of Baal 
that the people were worshipping. The prophets of Baal, there was 450 of them. And he got them to set up their idol for their sacrifice first. And then Elijah set up his. And they said, ever whose God sends fire from heaven and burns up to sacrifice, he is the true God. And as we know what happened, as you, you read on there in chapter 18, that all the people agreed. And the people, the, the 450 prophets of Baal, they started dancing and praying and cutting themselves and doing all kinds of weird things, asking Baal to send fire and burn up that sacrifice. But no fire came down. But when Elijah prayed, the true God, the living God, sent fire from heaven, burnt up the whole sacrifice, licked up all the water that they'd poured over it, and the people cried out, the Lord is God, he is God. So they, just, they could see that by this act of almighty God, this divine act of sending fire from heaven, revealed just who he was. And the prophets of Baal were shown up to be false. And then Elijah commanded that round up all these 450 false prophets, take them down to the valley and they would be all killed, which they were. Then Elijah said to Ahab, hurry, go and eat. I can hear rain coming. He could hear it. It wasn't rain, it was still in the drought, but he could hear it. So he went up onto the mountain, bowed down with his head between his knees and he prayed. And God sent a little cloud and all of a sudden it just grew and the rain came and the drought was broken. What a victory. Boy, if that had been me, I would have been flying high. But he couldn't celebrate. He had to flee. We pick up the story in um, 1 Kings chapter 19. Because that, that was me. You would have thought, he has seen all these miracles. And then all of a sudden, he's running. We pick it up in chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me to be ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no longer better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. Now, he is a mighty man of God. He'd seen God do some miraculous things. Now he was feeling defeated, depressed, and praying that he would die. Now, if you were to ask me, of all the people who are written in the scriptures, who would be the least amongst them that you would have thought end up in depression? I would have said Elijah would be one of them. But I read in there, there's other great men like Job, Jeremiah, great men of God, followers, servants, faithful witnesses, prophets. They come to a point in their lives where they said, oh, I wish the day that I was born would be cursed. So you see, it doesn't matter who we are or what great things we've done. Depression can happen to any one of us. It just takes the circumstances you know, I never ever thought it would happen to me. It didn't just jump up one day and, well, here it is. Well, I'm depressed. It doesn't work like that. You know, we were going well. I just loved my little farm. We were flying high. And then things were going well. Interest rates was holding for years around about the 11%. Milk prices were good. So we decided we would build a new house. 
and that was okay. We worked it out on the, the, the finances that we had, the interest rates at 11, 11 and a quarter. We could pay it off in eight years. But just as we were starting to build the house, we went into the 82 drought, which was a really bad drought. Used up all of the feed supplies that I had, plus we had to buy extra, which in a drought, as you know, it gets very expensive. But we're doing on with the house. But then in 83, the next year, it was a really, really wet winter, which held up the completion of the house. But then I had to buy in more feed because I needed that to feed the stock. But finally, the house got done. We got back, things were getting on again. Interest rates started to go up. They didn't go up 0.1 or 0.2. They went up on 2 and 3% from 11 to 12.5 to 15 to 17. Finished up 19.5%. Now, people have complained today about paying 2 and 3% interest. We were paying 19.5%. So then I had to borrow a bit more money, like we had to take out an overdraft. The overdraft interest was 24%. So then you're having trouble then just paying the interest, let alone pay off the debt. The answer from the bank manager was, well, you just need to milk more cows. So we went and bought another farm, an out paddock, so that I could run the young stock there and I could milk more cows at home, which went all right for a while. We're starting to get back on top. But then my first wife passed away. Just at that time when we were starting to get back on the straight and narrow again, so then you sort of stop for a while. But all of these things are just having an, an impact in your life. And without you even knowing it, you're spiralling down. Then I met Di, we get married, new, new start, big mistakes. What I should have done, what I'm wise to do now, I should have done back then, I didn't. Now we should have sold the farm then, bought a new farm and had a new start together rather than just try and continue on with the old. So. We, I'm wiser now than I was then. It takes a while to sink in sometimes. But that's a, th th these are things you do. You, you think you're making the right decision at the time. And, uh, and so you, you can't sort of say, oh, I shouldn't have, I could have. You'd make that decision at the right time. You, we'd prayed about it. And so we went ahead. And, and, and looking back now, we see yeah, we could have done it different. We could have done it better. But with that interest rate and with that debt, it was just like it was a, a, a stronghold. And no matter what I did, it just couldn't seem to get on top of it. And it gradually started to have more and more impact. And then I just found that after a while, you just can't do the basic things. I could get up in the morning, I could milk, come in for breakfast, and then I'd sit on the boot box to put on my boots and, no, nah, I don't need to do that today. I can do that tomorrow. Uh, I need to feed the cows. I better go and do that. No, nah, I'll do that after lunch. And you just can't make those... Decisions where when things are going good, you don't even think about it. You're just up and you're just doing it. But, you know, I thought I was, had that fatigue syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome. That's what I thought I had. I thought I was sick. But we'd come and we're having counselling with Pastor David Storer here at the time. And then all of a sudden, like a light bulb moment in his life, he switched on, oh, I know what you've got. You're suffering from depression. And he had a good book there for me to read. It was a book that pastors read because a lot of pastors through all what they cop can, can end up in a depressive state too. And this was a book that he had for pastors. And it, and it just showed that cycle that you go on little bit by little bit by little bit and you're going down and you're going down and you're going down and to the point where you just don't feel like doing anything anymore. 
But just knowing that I wasn't sick was a turning point for me. I knew I'm not sick, I'm just depressed. I just need to start making some good choices, start making some positive decisions to start to work your way out. And it's not just, oh, bang, you're back out again. You work your way back out. Small steps, positive steps, positive decisions, good people around you, good input into your brain, and you can start to work your way out. It's not a quick fix. Just as it slowly draws you down, so too you can begin to walk your way back out. So my first point is, what did God do for Elijah when he was at this state? Pick that up here in 19, starting at verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay back down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey's too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. Here God revealed to Elijah his grace and his mercy. He came to him with gentleness and with compassion to feed him, to look after him. You know, when you are low, you don't have a desire to take proper care of yourself. For me, I didn't feel like working, I didn't feel like eating, certainly didn't feel like going to church, didn't have, didn't have any desire for fellowship. Thanks be to God. This is where we come back to every time. Thanks be to God. He stuck with it. He kept things going. God never gives up on you. You see, God knows what we need. He knows more than we know ourselves sometimes, and, and he's able to supply what we need. And he even sends angels if he has to. His heart's for us, it's not against us, and he's able to meet every need. But we need to play our part. We need to respond to his love. He reaches out to us. He sent the angel, but Elijah had to pick up that food and eat it and strengthen himself. So we've got our part to play as well. And even though Elijah just wanted to give up, God didn't give up on him. He sent one of his angels to come and feed him because God was all about restoration. God was wanting to restore him back in the right relationship. And I tell you, I'm so grateful that he didn't give up on me. My second point is, why are you here? Verses 9 to 10, why are you here? And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. See, in the past, early on there, when he was confronted with, when he confronted Ahab, God showed Elijah what to do, where to go and what to do. Here, it's just like he just went wherever he wanted. He just seems to have just gone and hid under a tree, and then he got up from the tree and went and hid in a cave. And God came and said, why are you here? God hadn't sent him there. He'd just gone there by himself. And Elijah wasn't frightened to tell God why he was there. See, sometimes it's good for us too to be honest before God and just, just spend time and speak to God what's on our heart to let God know that I'm not happy the way things are going. It's good to speak to God from the heart because God already knows what's on our heart anyway. He already knows how we're feeling. So it's good to be honest with him. He wants us to be honest. And I tell you, it was also helpful for me too to talk to someone 
who understood what I was going through and cared enough to help to move me on from staying in the cave. You know, woe is me is not good for any length of time. It happens when you're in that spot, you know, woe is me, things are all bad. But you need someone to come along and say, hey, come on, this is not good. You need to get out of this cave. So when we get overcome with trials, disappointments, frustrations, fears, failures, guilt, anger, when any, we come, any of these things come against us, there's a possibility for a door to open for us to move into that area of depression. We need to let it out and take it to the Lord. You know that saying, take it to the Lord in prayer? That's where we need to go. Or that, that little saying that says, when you're in a fix, go to Philippians 4, 6. Bring your concerns to the Father. He understands. He wants to know what's on your heart. He's not going to knock you down and knock you off your seat saying, don't talk to me like that. He has love. He has compassion. He has concern for what's on your heart. He wants us to be open and honest before him. And he'll meet us right there. He's a God of love. That makes, leads me to my third point. God will respond. Verses 11 to 14. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Now the good news is that God is always willing to bring us back to a right relationship with him. Here he was able to speak to Elijah, not in the storm, not in the wind, not in the earthquake or the fire, but in a gentle whisper. Elijah had a fresh awareness of God's presence. Oh, how refreshing that would have been for him to know that God was for him. He hadn't rejected him. He has come to speak into his life, to restore him back into a right relationship, to getting him back on the right track. Once again, God was able to reveal to Elijah what it was that he was to do. God was able to whisper to Elijah, I'm still here. I'm right beside you. Maybe there's someone here tonight. You need to hear this. Maybe you're feeling depressed. My answer is take your Bible, go to a quiet place, sit and read the scriptures, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Just get alone with God. Let him love on you and speak to you. He knows how to meet your needs and to just feel his presence, just being alone with him in the presence of his Holy Spirit. You know, there's a quote that I wrote down. There is no more effective antidepressant than communication and fellowship with God. Communication and fellowship with God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need to do that. Just be still and allow God to speak into our lives. He'll never reject us. He loves us. But, you know, there's all, there are times too when we do need to be wise. We do need sometimes to get medical profession. If there's something really seriously going on, we need to get 
someone who knows what they're talking about to have a look at us and or we need to spend time with a good counsellor. But never stop spending time with the Lord. He won't give up on you. So why should you give up on yourself? God said that he himself goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That's the God who created all things, speaking that into our lives. And sometimes when we're in the depths of depression, everything looks bad. The mountain you have to climb just looks so much bigger. The valley that you've got to cross, it just looks so wide. The load you've got to carry, it just looks ten times heavier than what it is. And you think to yourself, it's all too much. And the other thing is that you think you're the only one going through it. And that is not true. That is a lie of the devil. You are not alone. There are many who experience the same feelings that you are able, but you're able to find a way because there's a great God. We sang about it tonight. There is a great God who knows how to make a way where there seems to be no way. We need to give our burdens to Jesus because he promised to take our burdens upon himself. God said, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, dealing with depression can be a bit scary sometimes. But this verse from Isaiah 41.10, it reminds us that God is on our side and there's nothing to fear. Remember that scripture, God didn't give us a fear, a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. He deals with our fear. We can put our confidence and our trust in him to take care of that fear. Psalm 34 says, When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. God has promised to do his part and he will because he loves us. That's who he is. But we need to do our part. We need to begin to walk it out in faith. Remember, it's a faith walk. One step, one day at a time. It's not this, not one big giant, oh, I'm out of here. It's one day, one step at a time. Get good people around you to speak into your life good things. You know, we live by faith, not by sight, not by feelings. Don't listen to what others say about you or what you think they might be saying. Sometimes we think people are saying things about us. They're not at all. And we get depressed about it. Even sometimes, too, we can say some very negative things about ourselves. We can speak negative things in our own lives. We need to stop doing that, too, because that's not helpful. We need to listen to what God says about us. Get our focus off the world and what's going on around and get our focus on what Jesus said, what Jesus did on the cross. Everything we need for life was accomplished for us on the cross. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us of all of our sins. That's the big burden that lifts off us when we know that our sins have been forgiven completely. What a burden that is lifted. This world's not our home. Our home is in heaven when we're in Christ Jesus. And like Elijah, you may be wanting to hide in a cave at the moment, but God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son to redeem you, to bring you back to himself. He makes it possible. We need to receive it by faith. He's paid the price. He's made the way. We have to now respond and receive what he's done for us and by faith step it out each day 
coming back into a right relationship with him because he wants to put good things into our lives. I'd just like to finish off with a psalm that was became a favourite of mine through, through those times of depression, Psalm 40. You know, one of the things that I've found, not just when you're going through tough times, any time, one of the strengths that I've found in my Christian walk is the power of praise. Music is a fantastic thing. You know, what I listen on my phone is different to what Di listens on her phone and what others will listen to theirs, but they're praise songs. Mine might have a country beat to it, but that's okay. They're country songs. <laughs> they're country songs with a power of praise in them. But you can be listening to the latest song that's come off, praising the Lord. Praise is the power of heaven. The powers of darkness have to flee when we praise and magnify him. Magnify means to expand out and darkness has to flee. So I cannot underestimate the power of reading the word and praise. If you can't sing very good yourself, well, gosh, there's that many songs on the phone. You just have to tap on there and there's thousands of songs on there. So just pick out one, make sure it's a praise song and begin to just praise and worship and just see the powers of darkness flee. Praise is the power of heaven and the powers of darkness must flee. Let's just finish off with this, a few verses here in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand <laughs> and he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Praise is the power of heaven. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that even though we go through many trials and situations throughout life, we hit the wall every now and again, Father. We fall off our bike. We stumble. We fall. But, Father, you're right there. You pick us up and you dust us off and put us back on our bike. You help us, you guide us, you lead us. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you, that we can praise you in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the trials. We can praise you. And, Lord, you can lift us out of that miry clay and you can give us a firm foundation on where to stand and you will put a new song in our mouth, a song of praise to our God. So, Lord, we want to give you all the praise. We want to give you all the thanks in Jesus' precious and most wonderful name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.